And our theme for the overall series is that it's time to grow up knowing Jesus. That, as Joji said, we're trying to take that next step. We've been talking about the church on a mission for a long while now, but now we're talking about that next step, about growing up, what it means to get out there, to do the work. Um, and today, what I'm going to be speaking about is that Jesus was like us to save us. And like I said, it's time to grow up. You know, being a Christian is a process, just like growing up. We suddenly, just one day, don't wake up and have it all figured out. And as we get started this morning, I would like to share with you all a little bit about that process as it's worked with me uh, in my life. Um, I want to give you just maybe a little glimpse of the journey that I've taken with Jesus and some of the process that's brought me here before you today. I know that many of you are going to find this hard to believe, but I always wasn't the hunk of burning love that you see before you today. I know Marcus is finding that hard to believe. <laughs> and see Justin like that. I know. I, I have to do something. I always make sure I try to do something that makes Joji want to poke his mind's eye out every time when I speak. So, But anyway, I'm going to tell you, I was a fat kid. And I think I've shared with that many times before. But when I, was, when I was little, I think one of the things I had a hard time with in elementary and middle school and especially in high school and college is I wanted a girlfriend. Now, I know that sounds kind of simple, and I think some of you may wonder how in the world is this going to relate to Hebrews, but bear with me for a few moments. We're going to get there. You see, like I said, for some reason growing up, I thought that a relationship with a girl was one of the most important things in life. And I think maybe it was, as I got to thinking about it, it was because I'm the youngest of six kids. And all my brothers and sisters who are older, much older than me, some of my oldest sister is 20 years older than me, uh, by the time I was 14, all of them were married. And I had grown up seeing them in their marriage relationships and their dating relationships and, I, you know, I saw just great things, and I kind of wanted those things for myself. But I always had this problem with getting a girlfriend. And even as a teenager, I prayed that God would send someone to me. And I, I got to the point where I just did not feel normal because, you know, I, I, here's all my other friends even some of the other fat kids in the room had girlfriends, and I didn't have one. I thought, what in the world is going on? And I would literally lay awake at night and worry about it. And, you know, it's not like I didn't date. I, I, I want to make sure that's, you know, that's clear. I did date uh, some in high school, but I really didn't have any developed relationships. Um, and I think what I really and truly didn't understand at that time was that God was planning something for me 
that I didn't understand. But I wanted to follow my own path. I thought there was something that I wanted. And it became so bad that when I got to college to find a relationship, and I think maybe many of you are there now. I don't know in college how that got, but I know when I was your age, many of you, when I started college, I just I wanted that relationship so bad. And it wasn't happening for me again. And so at one point, I just sat down and I was praying and I told God, I said, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own because I had prayed for him to send me someone. And I said, you know what? Don't send me anyone. I'll find one myself. I'll do this myself. I don't need you. I don't need your help to do this. And I'm going to do it myself. And I realized at that point there was some bigger problem and bigger issue that I had as well. Is what I was saying to God is, God, I want to live life on my terms. I want to live life the way that I want to live it. And I had made up my mind that I wasn't going to listen to him. And I was going to make my own destiny. And the problem you see is I had grown up in church all my life. My father's a pastor. But one of the problems that looking back on that now, I see that I had not really grown up in Jesus like I should. I had this independent streak about wanting life my way, not God's way. I felt that God was there to serve my purpose and not the other way around. And looking back on it, I really now have a hard time understanding why I did it. But at that point, when I made that decision, my life began to spiral downward. I began to examine my Christian life. I became disillusioned with it. I became disillusioned with the church. Like I said, I was off to college on my own. And I got to looking at uh, church and seeing it as a place that was full of hypocrites. And I thought, you know what? I don't need church. I can do that on my own as well. And then I got to the point where I said, you know what? I think that if I just work hard enough, I can perfect myself. And there was one point in my life I actually really believed that. Because after all, isn't that what a Christian life is all about? Isn't it, at that time I thought it's about being the perfect person, right? Unfortunately, that was my immaturity that was telling me to do something wrong. And those five years that I spent outside of God's love, of God's protection were some of the most dismal times for me. There were so many times that I felt alone. I felt angry. I felt bitter. And I got to the point where I started blaming God for the trouble that I had in my life because I felt that He wasn't there when I called, 
But the problem was I had told them to go away. I became frustrated because I really thought that I could do more on my own than I really thought I could do. My problem was that I had turned my back on the best relationship I ever had. Now, there were times in my teenage years in high school that I had really grown close to God. I had submitted to His will, and I had some in just incredible times of worship, friendship with God, just the creator of the universe. And I felt a true calling on my life at that time. But I let myself get in the way. I let myself get in the way of the path that God wanted me to take. And it was a fight, but God brought me back. You see, the problem was that when it was time for me to grow up and to know Jesus, I refused to grow up. Like a typical child, I wanted what I wanted. I knew what was best for my life, and I didn't want to be bossed around. In effect, I told God, you know what, God, you're not the boss of me. What I had not done was internalize some of these key points that Hebrews chapter 2 touches on today. And some of those points are, I want you all to really realize this, that Jesus became like me. To save me. Jesus became human to set me free from the sin of my life. He came, became human to take away my fear of death and to bring me forgiveness. At this time in my life, I had two crucial flaws. Even though I told you I was a Christian and grown up in church, one is that I didn't really fully understand that Jesus was trying to set me free. I'd looked upon Jesus who was a person at times who gave me a bunch of rules and regulations that I had to follow. And two, in that process, I was trying to perfect myself. I was trying to save myself because I thought just being a good person alone was good enough. If I could just kind of imitate who Jesus was, then I could get by in life. I thought maybe at some point that maybe just going to church was going to be enough for me. And I was wrong. What I was doing, I was seeking ritual instead of a relationship. And much like the Jews here that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, they were wanting to go back to these rituals of the Old Testament. They weren't grasping that there was the, a relationship aspect because they had seen God as someone who was so far away that they weren't connecting. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to them and showing them the, the person of Christ and making those connections for them that the Old Testament, that Jesus came to fulfill the entire Old Testament, that Jesus was the connection. I needed to see, like they did, that Jesus from a different perspective. And I hope that we all will today. And I hope that you all will see that Jesus became like us to save us.
He came to set us free and bring forgiveness. Let us stand and read. If you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 5 through 18. It's Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 18. Notice if you have your heading there in your Bible, some of your Bibles, that Jesus was made like his brothers. It is not to angels that he was subjected, the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. And putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. But the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. And this is something I want you to notice here. This is something we'll be touching on a little bit later. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in them. And again, he says, here am I, and the children of God has given me. This is another important part right here. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. He destroyed death. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he was made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become merciful and faithful high priest of the service of God, and he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He was able to... Another key here, he was able to help those who are being tempted. This has been the word of God. You may be. As I said, the writer of Hebrews wanted to keep uh, these early Christians who were converted to Jews. For us to seek the ritual in life rather than relationship. And I know this may sound kind of strange to us, but the Jews here, it was easier for them to think about angels being able to rule over us as humans. It was easy to think about Uh, going back to that ritualism, going back to observing the law. They were struggling with thinking about God in terms of relationship. They were struggling with the fact that here's this man, Jesus, who is God, but also human. 
And it was something for them hard to believe that he was made lower than the angels. But so he could relate to us. But the writer here makes some things very clear. Jesus, the Son of God, has come to earth to die, to set us free and establish that relationship that God had intended from the very beginning of time. You see, Jesus is that link back to the very beginning of time. Last week, Tim had talked about that uh, a little bit. If If you were here and you remember that, everything in the universe has been created through Jesus. That's a key thing. to, th- And in the Garden of Eden, God, remember this, God had walked with man. He had relationship with man. But Adam and Eve, they turned their backs to God with that relationship. They embraced the sin of humanity. And because they embraced that sin, they had to face death instead of an eternal life and an eternal relationship with God. But the exciting news is that Jesus came to face this death and to defeat sin. That was his purpose. He came to restore that relationship that God had intended from the very beginning. And the only way that he could do that was to become human. And when you think about that, that's an amazing thing. That God wanted that relationship with us so bad because he gave us that choice. He gave us that choice to accept him or reject him. But he had it planned from the very beginning that through Jesus Christ, he would restore that relationship. And as a result, it shows the depth of how mindful God was of us. God desired to make Jesus like us to save us. Again, look at verse 11 and 12. But the one who makes men holy... So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises. That's amazing to me. Just to think that like this morning... That's one of the things I was thinking about as we were going through worship this morning. That one day we will stand in heaven with Jesus Christ leading us in worship. And that he will not be ashamed to look at you and say, you are my brother. That's just, to me, that's just an amazing, amazing thing. But confess to you today that sometimes I think that we believe that God is just a parent who doesn't understand. And sometimes we struggle with those things. It's difficult to think sometimes that, that God cares. And let's face it, like I said earlier, we've all been there. And I shared with you a little part of that with my life. I didn't understand that God was mindful of me. There was that point where I thought that God was up there in heaven doing doing my thing. 
disconnect there. And I think it's easy to question God and say, you know what? I just don't think God understands who I am. But in fact, He does. God was so mindful of you and so mindful of me that He So that that relationship could be restored. He calls us brothers. He desires a relationship with us. And like I said, when I was 23, I had to have that relationship restored. I had become disconnected with that relationship. how people can go through life like that. Because I remember being so lonely. I remember that anger and that bitterness that I had. But there's something that I had to realize too at that point that I could not restore that relationship on my own. I had to seek God. I had to reach out. And then I also had to realize that I was no longer in control of my life which sometimes for many of us is a difficult thing to do. And I'll confess there are times I like to take things back into my own hands because sometimes I become too attached to the things of this world. I want to think that I'm in control, but that's not the case. I forget that this life is sometimes it's about learning humility and not about self. Even though God is mindful of us, God also teaches us that we're only here on this earth for a little while. And I'm going to tell you, hitting my 40s, I realize that much more. And seeing my parents' age, that life really is short. We have limited time. And in this limited time that we have, God is using us to teach us about himself. Look again at verses 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those all of who their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Even though we have this short time that we're here, we should have no fear of death. Have you been scared to die? I'm sure now, by now, many of you have had probably that dream in your life where you've had to, you, you dream that something happened, that, that you died. Or some of you really have had to face death in some real ways. Perhaps you've known someone who's been that greatly impacted your life. Many of us have lost someone close to us that we love. Some of us have had to overcome life-threatening accidents or injury. We've had to face 
But think about how much anxiety there is in this world over death. What if death were it? And many Jews at this time, and I think that's one of the reasons why the writer is, is addressing this, is that many of the Jews before Jesus were uncertain about death. Many believed that the grave that they called Sheol was it. And you see, many people in the world today are living like that. That this life is the only life that matters. That what am I going to accomplish? They think about what am I going to accomplish before I die? What will happen to my family? Who will I leave my stuff to? And in most scientific circles, life they say that this life is it. That, to kind of quote Carl Sagan, we are mere star stuff that at the end of it all goes back into the ground and is recycled again and again and again. But I want to tell you today that there is something more. Jesus has given us the opportunity to live life to the fullest and given us an opportunity to be part of a bigger plan, and that is eternity. You see, Satan... The devil had told Adam and Eve in the garden that they would not die, that they would be like God, and he lied. Adam and Eve had to experience sin and experience death. Through their humanity, all of humanity, all of us, has or will experience death. However, what I want you to see today is one of the reasons that Jesus came was he conquered death for us he experienced death so he would know what it was like to be truly human again look at verses 14 and 15 he shared in the humanity so that by his death he might destroy him satan no longer has that power over us he no longer can destroy us he no longer can hold that over your head and say you know what this life is all you have you need to live it to the fullest. That's not, that is a lie. We need to realize that we are eternal people. We no longer have to be afraid of death. If you are afraid of death, and I'm afraid that this life is all that there is, I'm going to tell you today, it's time to grow up. It's time to know. Paul wrote this in Romans 6.23. says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that mean? For those of you who are here today and who are not Christians, what this means is that Christ died for your sin so that there would be eternal life with Him. Since He conquered death by dying on the cross and resurrecting in three days. ...by God, we have an eternity before us. And we have to choose. Are we going to accept this gift from God, eternal life with Him through Christ? Or will we reject it and receive the entire wages of sin? And that is eternal separation from God. 
Now, for those of you who are Christians, think about living as an eternal being. How does that change your perspective on the universe? Think about that. We do not die. This is a quote from D.L. Moody, who one day said, One day you will read that D.L. Moody has died. Don't believe it. At that time I will be more alive than I ever was before. Christians do not die. We fall asleep, and when we wake up, we have a new life that God has planned for us that is eternally more glorious than this life. This is what David wrote in Psalm 17, 15, referring to his death. He said, In righteousness, wake, be satisfied with seeing your life. And we see God's face face to face. In this life, we are only but half awake. In the life to come, we'll be fully awake with all of our questions answered. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He said, right now in this life, he said, we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then, and that means after death, we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. In other words, what Paul is saying is, we will finally know our true selves and our full purpose. We are eternal beings. But today, do we live like eternal beings? Do we look at the people around us as eternal beings? And this is part of the maturity that I'm talking about and that we want to talk about through this Think about the people sitting next to you. Think about the people that you work with every day, that you go to school with every day. Think about your family, all eternal beings. And if you knew that they had to make a choice between an eternity with God and an eternity separated from And then the crucial information that we have to internalize. Those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Savior, we should know that it's imperative that we share this information with those around us. Again, I confess that I look at my daily life sometimes, that daily grind, and I live to get through the day or the end of the week or summer vacation. But I'm telling you, it's time to grow up. Knowing Jesus and the power that he possesses is crucial for the world to see and know through us. We need to look at the life of Christ as our model. How Jesus looked at life, how Jesus experienced life is crucial for us to make our journey through life. Jesus became like us. To save us. Now you may sit there and think, you know what? Like I did at that one point in time in my life, Jesus was perfect. How can I be like Jesus? How does Jesus understand me? I can't be like that. 
But as you look around, you'll find that many of us struggle with those same questions. And just because you are a Christian, I'm week that journey to the cross when we find jesus here at the cross is only the beginning of our journey life is what happens after that let's look again at verses 16 and 18 for surely it's not angels that he helps but abraham's descendants for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those being tempted. Jesus came to this world and lived a life so that he does understand you. And you. And he understands you. And you. And me. He is a merciful and faithful high priest. But what does that mean? Well, as you see, the high priest in the Old Testament was one who offered the sacrifice. Once a year, he would go into the holiest of holies. And he was the only one who could go in there to offer up the, the sacrifice for the entire sin of the nation of Israel. No one else in Israel had that authority. And see, when Jesus died on the cross, this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to teach them and us today. When Jesus died on the cross, he became the final high priest. He is the only one that has the authority to go before God and ask for our sins to be forgiven. And that's why we depend on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of sins. He alone made atonement or asked for forgiveness for our sin. And what's great about that? Look at verse 18 again. Because he himself suffered when he was he's able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus became human to understand our humanity. In fact, though, as a human, he never sinned. But he knows what it's like to be tempted. He was tempted by Satan himself for 40 days in the wilderness. He understands the pain of temptation. He was tempted from without, but never from within. He suffered being tempted. But where it pains us to have to resist temptation, it pained Jesus to be tempted. You know, Jesus walked for 33 years on this earth. He saw people dying of disease. He saw people who were oppressed. He saw poor people in the streets. He saw people who were sad, who were depressed. Jesus watched people die. Jesus knows what it's like to have a bad day. Jesus knows what it's like to see sickness. Jesus knows also the great things in life. He knows what it's like to laugh, to cry, to sing, to hold a baby, to watch a sunrise, to be cold, to be tired, to be hungry. So in every way, Jesus was like us. And he's able to be there for you.
You have a Savior who understands you. He desires to have a relationship with you. Today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I really urge you to talk to someone. Some, some of us here, the leaders, the church of Joji, myself, David Montgomery, or someone else that you trust, that you know, to do that. And if you found yourself adrift, kind of like I did so many years ago, I just urge you to reconnect. Because it was God's plan, like I said from the beginning, to bring all things through completion to Jesus Christ. And remember today that God is mindful of you. So much so that he made you in his image. Jesus became like you to save you. Let us pray.